Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm having a total butt kicker of a week. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Why should she... With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. But the thing is, you have to understand this is a disaster because... A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about when one of your kids takes all or most of your bandwidth as a parent. Amy, does it have to always be the same kid? No, I'm, I'm here to say I have had... I feel like each of my kids has played this role, and my kids are 16, 15, and 11, and each of them has had a turn in the... Being the bandwidth sucker. In the bandwidth sucker. Mm-hmm. I have uh, 10, 9, and 7, and if I had to vote on who my greatest bandwidth sucker was, it wouldn't be a mystery to me, but I guess it trades off some. It trades off some. It can trade off some, and it's like, as all things important to remember, if you're in the situation that the kid who's taking all the bandwidth, that might not always be the case. It might it might be just your right now. And there are a lot of reasons this can be the case. So let's talk about what those are. Yeah, I think we should go into definitions a little bit about what this means, because I think I get what you're talking about. But like, I'm going to say that there are, you know, big reasons and small reasons and sort of hard reasons and wonderful reasons. So, right. Olympic athlete kid, slightly wonderful reason to be a bandwidth sucker. Right. Your kid is going to maybe go pro in tennis. That kid is taking all your bandwidth for a good reason. None of my kids are sucking bandwidth in the athletic arena. (laughs) Is that you? No, none of them are even, I can cross myself off. Don't need any solutions in that arena. Or there can be sort of, you know, temporary really good reasons. Like I have a kid who is just beginning the college application process at the beginning of his junior year of high school. Yes, it starts junior year. And so that is going to take up a considerable amount of my bandwidth for now with that kid. Right. I gotcha. There are sort of ongoing, maybe like not Olympic athlete, but you drive your kid two hours every day in the car with the one kid who has ice time for hockey that's pretty far from your house. And you've been doing that for four to five years. That's not a problem again in my family, (laughs) but okay. Yes. Some people do do that. 
the sort of big obvious one is when one of your kids is sick, either acutely or chronically with something. Correct. And there's hospital stays and doctor's visits and. And in sick would also be like the special needs umbrella. Sure. I guess so. Right. Yeah. Right. Like a kid with special needs is going to probably take up more bandwidth than neurotypical or unaffected by any sort of medical complication child. And then there's the kid who has behavioral issues at school. Right. Or at home. Wouldn't be a shocker if it were both, I suppose. And so that's taking up all of your bandwidth. And then there's a kid who might have some mental health issues like anxiety, OCD, things like that, that are requiring... Not just doctor's visits and therapy and stuff, but also like all kinds of sort of it takes over the household sometimes. Well, and there's also just very functionally, some kids have larger personalities than other kids. Mm -hmm. Like I have a kid who takes up more bandwidth in this sort of like, oh, my God, I learned a new trick. Everyone gather around and listen, watch me do it. And he needs a very specific kind of attention, which is like he's kind of a class clown. Like there's that kind of bandwidth attention, too. Yeah. Where he literally demands a certain amount of attention. <laughs> but can you get that out of the way? Is that something that's sort of discreet and you know, like, OK, five minutes of watching the magic show and then we can have dinner? Uh, kind of. But uh, my go to theory uh, of child rearing I will say, guys, I'm having a total butt kicker of a week. We it's just it's all going wrong at my house. So like if my perspective sounds a little <laughs> negative this week, uh, we're just having one of those weeks where like I could use a parenting podcast to listen to myself where I receive information on how not to leave my children on the lawn in a basket that says free children because <laughs> I'm not having a good week awesome. over here. OK, but I, I think there is something and, and perhaps we'll discuss this more. There is a bit of the uncheckable box category with a lot of things with mm, your kids. I, yeah. Like, no, my needy for attention kid, that's pretty much an uncheckable box. It's a bucket with a hole in the bottom. Like, I can pour attention in, but it's not filling the bucket. There were two times in my life when the rabbit hole of let me just check this one more thing, this one more possible. Is this a side effect? Is this something we're not considering? And those kids are doing better now, though there were times in my life when my concern about the kid was taking up my bandwidth, even more than the physical like doctor's appointments and going to get them at school because they're not feeling well. The mental uh, capacity was all directed towards one. Well, I think that's true. Picture a pie chart, all of you listening at home and Amy, that is divided into sections based on the number of children you have. You can picture that pie chart, my guess is pretty clearly at all time, which child is taking up the largest percentage of that pie chart. And sometimes for me, it's like all one color and two slivers, meaning one of my kids is taking up all of my bandwidth. Sometimes it's three equally shaped pieces of pie and we're kind of like, oh yeah, everybody's kind of going along. But often there's one kid really dominating the pie chart. And I guess it's two kinds of problems, right? There are families where I want to take a step back and say we got this idea from Belinda Luscombe, her book Marriageology, which is about having a great marriage and this affects your marriage. And we'll talk about that. But she sort of just mentioned in the book that families are little ecosystems. And when one child is in trouble, it throws the whole ecosystem out of whack. And I thought, oh, there's a great topic idea. So thank you, Belinda Luscombe. And also, I think you have to put in that pie chart, probably your marriage on some level, like Absolutely. Your marriage is also part of that pie chart. And sometimes your marriage demands a tremendous amount of attention and your kids kind of come second. 
So I think she's suggesting something being thrown out of whack by like a storm blowing through that's unexpected, right? And then there are families where one kid takes up the bandwidth and that's how it is. It becomes part of the ecosystem, part of the fabric of your family for uh, good and bad reasons and outcomes. And that's sort of a different situation. But um, then, then it becomes more important, I think, to sort of look at it, push back against it, have a plan in place for the other kids. Extremely important. I mean, I worked for a while volunteering at a children's hospital, and you see this very clearly. They offer a lot of courses about it, that a kid who is battling a potentially fatal childhood cancer, the entire dynamic of the family is just completely blown to smithereens, basically. That child gets a tremendous amount of attention. The other kids are kind of can be left behind. And the attention that is given to the sick child is often not really entirely positive because there's not a lot of discipline inherent of it. It, it, It's a very, very complicated dynamic. That's one end of the spectrum we're talking about. If you are in a situation like that, you probably need to be getting some sort of counseling from whatever health treatment center you're dealing with because they've seen this before and you don't need to reinvent the wheel. They have, although, so as I was researching this episode, I found a really good study about just this, of course, siblings of sick kids. And the uh, authors of the study, the study was from Lancaster University, and I'll put the link on our show page, com. It's also probably swipeable, tappable, findable in the app you're using to listen to this show right now. They suggested that this is sort of understudied. And I think, so this is one sort of particular serious situation, but I think there's things we can extrapolate from the study for all siblings of kids who are taking up the bandwidth of their parents. For sure. So can we can we talk about it a little bit? They found that the kids, the healthy siblings, let's call this, uh, the unaffected siblings, have changing family relationships, and they also have a changed relationship to themselves, changed way that they view themselves. And they actually will adapt their behavior and their needs to fit with what they're getting. Yes. And that often the adults in their lives will say, oh, yeah, thank goodness. Like they seem to be doing fine. They're functioning great. But really, they're just sublimating all their needs because they're like, my need is not as important as this possibly dying sibling of mine. Yes. And so they found in this study that the parents were underestimating the needs and the emotional responses that the healthy siblings were having. And I think like a lot of conversations we have, your control over this is less than you imagine it to be. That like Mm -hmm. when dynamics like an ill child, seriously ill child enter your lives, there is no way to negate the impact of that on your family. When something happens like a parent dies in your family, there is no way to negate. There is no advice we're going to give where it's like, guess what? Do these three things and everything will be fine. It is going to change the dynamic of your family if you have, in whatever category, an extremely high needs child. So what we're basically trying to get at is like, how can you push back against that. But the idea and like even families without high needs child, I was with my cousins yesterday and we were just chatting and like everybody can go through their family and be like, this is the responsible person in the family. This is the black sheep in the family. This is the helper who sublimates their needs for everyone. This is the one who just flies through not not a care in the world. And like it all somehow works out for them. Like 
every family has familial roles and you can't stop those from being formed. There's no way to be like, everyone gets an exactly equal piece of, I cut you choose at every meal and at every emotional level, like everyone is going to get exactly equal and they're all going to turn out perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're not trying to get to that point. No, that's not possible. But there are, I guess there are probably like a couple things you could do. And the first is, we're doing this episode to be aware of like, yeah, this probably affects the other kids somewhat. One thing that this study said was sort of a bad idea. And it seems kind of obvious when you think about it, but worth saying they called parental silence the idea that we're just not going to talk about the chronic illness or whatever at home. Oh, as Irish Catholic people, uh, Amy and I know nothing about <laughs> silence, silence. And not discussing things. My God. Right. I sat up straight. I'm like, oh, can you just not talk about it? <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of the generations in my family went with that tactic. Yeah. Well, guess what? When you try to shield the siblings of the sick kids from talking about it, they see what's going on and they respond by similarly shutting down and not talking about stuff. So when you have a situation where your bandwidth is being taken up, I think it's probably important to talk about that in age-appropriate ways with the other kids in the family. Oh, absolutely. Whether this is a sick sibling, even a sibling who's really struggling, like I have a child who struggles a bit with his emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. And at times is in the at the family breakfast table going quite bonkers on any given subject and you know very very frustrated and giving sometimes you know obnoxious and unhelpful voice to those feelings and I often try to give voice even at the time of like I can see you're frustrated but if you are shouting and carrying on and saying hurtful things about everyone in the family because of how you feel, that's kind of scaring and freaking everyone else out. I can't have that. Either go upstairs and get your act together or get it together down here. But I cannot have you acting the fool at my kitchen table and saying things that potentially might scare your siblings. And are you saying that when you're saying it? Are you thinking more about the kid you're saying it to or the audience of the other kids? Both. Okay, that's interesting. They're like, this is outside of the way we are allowed to behave in this family. It hasn't fixed it, by the way. It keeps coming up. But I do think in giving voice to the thing of like, this is not how we behave in the family. You're telling the other siblings, like, I don't find this behavior unacceptable. I'm not going to pretend it's not happening. And You're saying to the sibling who has lost control, this is why this is not okay. The feeling you are having, epic, extreme frustration at going back to school, being tired, you don't like what's for breakfast, you have a tremendous amount of anxiety about going to school today. All the things that are fueling this are totally legitimate and fine, but the way you are choosing to express this is kind of scary and upsetting to the rest of us. And you need to acknowledge that. And I think it does tell the other siblings like, oh, yeah, if I do feel freaked out by this, like mom's calm. And this is a problem that it's taking me a long time not to do is to just jump right in and be like, you will not speak that way in my house. Respect my thought. Then it's just like two people screaming at each other and the other kids are just sitting there like this feels out of control. So what I try to do is just neutralize and like, yeah, this is not the way we're going to do this. I think that's good and important to remember because the kids who aren't the bandwidth hogging sibling can sort of see some, 
they can be jealous of some stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when my daughter was sick, her brother who was closest in age to her really just thought the whole thing was just, you know, just so much nonsense and that mm. she was ridiculous that she could get to go lie down because she didn't feel well and he had to set the table again. You know, he was in high dudgeon about that. And mm-hmm. yes, I could spend some time with him like, you don't understand, you know, to, but sometimes he was right. Like sometimes it was like, mm, you are a member of this family and you don't get to lie down on the couch every time it's time to set the table. And it was. And also like, you don't understand, like he doesn't actually understand. He doesn't get it, but there were times when I, when I could see, and I've done this with each of my children, by the way, like, oh, they're going through something right now. So I'm going to allow them to get away with things that I'm not letting their siblings get away with. And then the siblings, of course, are like, why should she? And they're not always wrong. I feel like that is a huge crux of what we're talking about. And I have something more to say about it after this break. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back. So... I do think that the quicksand of the bandwidth taking high needs child is that I constantly feel the temptation to give in to whoever has an issue around a certain thing. And that is something that like, 
Well, we all won't listen to this book on tape that two of the kids enjoy because the third kid will complain about it so much. And that I find a difficult one to navigate. Like, and I do, and I've said this a million times on the podcast, my refrain in our house is sometimes we do what you want to do. And sometimes we do what I want to do or your siblings want to do. And that goes for all the kids. Like, I have a kid who hates being in the car. He is extremely annoying and high needs about it in terms of, I shouldn't say annoying. He's just extremely vocal and whiny in the car. And so I do find myself like, oh, we could all go to, let's say, Hershey Park. I live in New York. It's like two and a half hours away. That might be fun for the kids. And then I'm like, oh, non-travel guy won't want to do that. And he'll complain. And that, I think, is like the quick sandy. Like, you've got to try to avoid letting the voice of negativity ruin it for everybody else. Yes. Yes, you're exactly right. And when you're doing that, it occurs to me, you are trying to free up some bandwidth. Like, okay, like my, I keep using the computer analogy, but my, like I have like 12% available. So I'm going to try to free up some bandwidth by just not having that happen because that'll, that'll help everybody have a better day. And it will, but it's accommodating the kid that already is driving maybe too much of the conversation at that moment in other ways. For sure, because it's the old squeaky wheel gets the grease. This obnoxious child sometimes gets their way much more. And I think that can be very pernicious and it happens in ways you're not really understanding. Like, does the picky eater set the tone for the whole meal? Or do you put up with the picky eater complaining? Because this is the meal that we're all having. And that is something that we often have to go back to one about where we're like, I am tired at the end of the day. I don't want to listen to the picky eater complain about what they don't like to eat. But if I start catering to the picky eater, then we're just eating like plain chicken breast and like carrot sticks every single night because that's the only meal that the picky eater really enjoys. Yeah. I think you have to be careful of that. So you take the short term bandwidth clogging for a longer term sort of we have to we have to even things out. Yeah. And I think that that's the better rule. That's the better lesson for everyone in the family, which is like being an obnoxious pest doesn't get you your way. Let's talk about another kind of uh, bandwidth hogging that's a good thing, which is when one of your kids is either an incredibly elite athlete or a prodigy. You know, like playing Mozart at at five years old or whatever. Don't have this issue going on currently, but I'm willing to listen. I tried to do some research on what it's like to grow up as a sibling of an extremely elite athlete or a prodigy. And what was interesting is that there is nothing written about that except when it's Venus and Serena Williams. Well, it's funny because it's exactly the symptom of the problem, which is like, uh, Marsha, 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 oldie locks alert. Back in my day. Which is like in the, the Brady Bunch. You've heard of it, guys, at least. But like... Marsha was not a prodigy, but... <laughs> Very popular. No, but Marsha was like the popular, pretty older sister. And Jan, the poor middle child, was always complaining that Marsha, you know, got all the attention. And the famous quote is like, there's an episode where she's like, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And people say it to reference this phenomenon, which is like the person in the family who's getting all the attention. And it's kind of hilarious. It's like the old meme of like, There are no memes for middle child day because we forgot about middle child day. Like that's the whole cliche about middle children. Like there are no articles about the siblings of elite athletes because no one cares about them. Right. Because no one cares. 
Yeah. Unless they're also elite athletes, then that's interesting. And, and they are giving something up, right? To, to, in, in service of that, I found one article that was written by what it was like to grow up as a sibling of an elite athlete. And I didn't decide not to link to it because it just was sort of like, it was awesome. Right. No. I was so proud of him. I'd go to his games and cheer. I'm like, and then what? Spoiler alert. That's not it. There's a little more going on there. And you have to allow, you know, for some healthy relationships about it. I mean, a, a sibling supporting the elite athlete or the prodigy is important. And of course, support can come in sort of opposite day ways. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, I think there is because this is like applies to so few children of the people listening. But I still think the extrapolation here is like I have one child who is extremely gifted and easy academically. It's just this child's life is a happy skate through the park of learning. And every day is like, you know, I just picked up these three books and I read them. And this child is the most adored person at school and teachers all love them. And it's pretty much easy street. And I see it at their school sometimes. Like they do so well in everything that they kind of... It's like a it's like a rolling ball, a snowball of attention keeps coming their way. And like, you're doing great. And oh, you're so special and you do everything well. And I kind of want to say, like, give some of that attention to the kids who are doing poorly. This child doesn't need any more attention. They've got but there is something about attention that draws people love to give positive attention. And so having a gifted kid it makes it very easy to laud them all the time because there's so much access to them. Yeah. And having a more difficult child who's harder to connect with maybe on those levels, it's like, well, I guess I'll just go back to telling this one how great they are. We talked in that episode that we did about why are our kids such total opposites? That's one of my yes. favorite episodes, if you haven't listened to that one, that siblings will de-identify, which, okay, so if your brother is a prodigy and like a really good piano player and getting lots of attention for that like you're not going to do that but the problem is for us parents we we also tend to sort of put our kids in buckets so if your one kid is the best pitcher that your county has seen in in 15 years and the younger sister is also a pretty good pitcher but not like could go pro you know there's there's costs to that of them being like well i guess i'm not very good at that when they actually are also good and I think those things get so exaggerated in childhood. Yeah. I had two older siblings. We were born three in three years. So we were each almost exactly 12 months apart. My older brother and older sister were intellectual powerhouses, incredibly good students, really, really bright people. Both went to like elite Ivy League schools and like waltzed in to the, to the end zone on, on, intellectual life their whole time. And I kind of opted out of the whole thing. And I think my parents were completely mystified because they were like, I don't think there's anything wrong with her, but she's terrible at school, you know? And I didn't understand at the time, but I was just defining myself in opposition to them. And as an adult, I don't see any real difference in our intellectual capacities. You know, it's like it, it all kind of evens out in the end. And so 
the fraught childhood filled with like, let's compare this one to that one and who's doing great. It's like a lot of this stuff is going to come out in the wash. You were talking a couple of weeks ago about thinking about sending one of your kids up for, I believe, Taekwondo or some kind of... of um yes. Bailed on it, guys. Totally bailed on it. You bailed on it. But the reason you said that you bailed on it was that it was going to be a couple of days a week and it was time in the car. And it, it occurred to me listening to the research on this topic for this episode that, you know, it, it's trying to bring it down, as you say, like we don't all have prodigies in our families, but we do have like I have a daughter who does ballet and it's now going to be four days a week this fall. And I have to like learn how to sew her point shoes Ugh. and I have the bandwidth for that because my other two kids are in high school and can come and go from their activities on their own now. But if she were the oldest and like the seven year old has to kind of grow up sitting in the lobby of the theater looking at an iPad for, you know, six hours a week. Yeah, it's it's those are trade offs that, you know, we probably should have a little discomfort around. I have a recurring joke with my husband and I the kid who was going to take Taekwondo, he's very uh physical like he has good balance and he's very brave like we'll go to like a dock at the lake and like all the kids are jumping in and he'll like front flip in like he's just a Mm -hmm. kind of good i don't know what that skill is but he's kind of brave he he has high risk appetite high risk appetite is a perfect way to say it and he's um he's got a lot of energy and I put him in. So instead of uh, martial arts, I ended up putting him in a gymnastics class this week. And the first week we went and he was obviously really good. Like he kept moving up in groups like they would through the class. They kept moving him up because he was doing more and more stuff. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm going to pull him out if he gets any better because I'm not <laughs> doing that thing where I drag him to gymnastic meets once a week. Like he better not be good. Yep. He better not be Olympic level uh, gymnastics because if so, he was born in the wrong family. I'm going to just stifle his dreams because I'm not the gym. The whole gym smells like a sweat sock that was left in a hot car for a month. Like I'm like, I can't spend any more time here. If this becomes a four day a week activity, we're going to have to adopt him out to another family because I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. It would seem it would seem to me fearlessness is probably um, a very, very good personality trait for excellence and tumbling. Yeah, but I, but but he's only going to be as good at gymnastics as you can get going once a week. That's the <laughs> thing. Like, sorry, dude. That That's the family you were born in. Put that on a cocktail napkin, right? He's only going to be as good as he can get by going. And I, and I agree. And I know what you're saying. And I have with my own kids sort of turned my back on. Um, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. And I don't want that to become our lives. And like mad props to you listeners who have like elite level kids who you are like out there busting your butt to make it happen for them. Like I have nothing against that. I just don't have it in my DNA. It chooses you, though, in some ways, because I have uh, we have family friends whose daughter is like she could maybe go pro. And they're talking about like moving the family down south so that she can play year round. And like she's really that good. So they're considering moving their kid to Florida and not lightly and not sure they want to do it and not sure they want this, you know, and, and I talked to them about like, how would you even maybe know that it's worth it? And they said, like, since she was a small, small child. Anybody who's encountered her with a tennis racket, anyone is like, I've never seen a kid like this. Like they're hearing it over and over and over again. And it's coming from the kid. And they are considering 
upending their family life about it, but really grappling with the larger issues of like, and pull the other kid out of school and like, is this worth it? And stay tuned. I don't know which one they're going to decide. They're at least considering it carefully. And spoiler alert, the end of the road is like elite athlete life, which may be really hard, you know? It may be. All right. So let's take another break. And when we come back, let's talk about how all this affects your marriage. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to staying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate. Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Coming soon to iTunes, straight out of elementary school, it's The Sounds of Children's Instruments, an album of truly unforgettable selections that will leave you wondering, why did I have children again? Relax to the dulcet tones of a moose being slowly beaten to death. With this number, straight from the fourth grade brass section. Are the high screeching cries of a pack of rabid weasels more your speed? If so, you'll love track six being played by a second grader on the violin. And for a whole new experience in unremitting ear torture, try track seven. We're not even sure it's a song, but it is a third grader busting it out hardcore on the recorder. This collection of tunes has something for everyone, from a sugared-up 18-month-old banging crazily on the xylophone to a five-year-old who's just learned all the words to her favorite Katy Perry song. 
The sounds of children's instruments coming soon wherever you buy music. Oh, that's lovely, honey. You know what? It might sound even better outside. Okay, we're back. Let's talk about how this affects your primary relationship because you know who comes first. Old spousey. The soccer coach. <laughs> no, <laughs> the soccer coach. No, your spouse. Your spouse oh, comes first. I thought it was the snacks. I have one sort of overarching tip on this from the times that we've gone through, like scary bandwidth taking stuff, which is that it is not only okay, but wonderful for you and your spouse to take turns. And and by take turns, I don't just mean like who's going to sleep at the hospital tonight, but who's going to be up late Googling, who's going to be up late worrying, who's going to who's going to have like a breakdown that day. Like it's okay that your spouse is kind of managing pretty well right now. And it's pretty silly to fight over that you don't care about this thing that's taking up all my bandwidth as much as I do, because the fact that your family can keep going is really only happening because there is an ability to take turns if you have two of you raising the kids. Oh, yeah. And I think the problem that often comes up in marriage with any kind of bandwidth issue is that it's not affecting your bandwidth in the same way. And you have to be understanding about that and in some ways appreciative that my husband is not a warrior. He is like the even keeled ship in the straightest of seas. And I occasionally get crazy with him. And I'm like, but the thing is, you have to understand this is a disaster because. And he's like, nah, I don't think I have to understand that's a disaster. I think maybe it's okay for me to not think it's a disaster. That's right. That's right. It's actually right. It's better for everybody, including you. And it doesn't mean I don't think that the same person has to always play. Like I'm thinking of times that we definitely switched roles and it was my spouse who was freaking out. And it was me saying, you know what, we're going to handle this. It's going to be fine. The turn taking is like the most healthy thing that could happen, not something else for you to fight about. Yeah. And I just think it's important to think about with all of these things, what you can and cannot control and how much bandwidth you can control too. When I find one of my children taking 70% of my bandwidth, it's time to check myself before I wreck myself. A child who is not in imminent physical or medical danger should not be taking up 70% of your bandwidth. It's something that you've got to restructure for yourself, I think. I've had kids face some hard things, but when I find myself biting my nails and sitting up late and Googling crazy stuff, I know that I have lost the script. I'm not really helping at a certain point. I'm just letting something that I don't have a lot of control over drive me crazy. So, but what if it's a situation where you have the elite athlete and you're spending three hours a day driving the kid because that's what you've always done and you're starting to think like, hmm, I really wonder if the younger sibling's getting enough attention while I'm doing this. When you're sort of already in it, how do you push back against it? Is awareness enough? Do you have to sort of... No, you have to make hard choices and we're going to go back to my controversial triangle. Amy does not like my triangle, but I like my triangle. 
I like I like the triangle. I just think the triangle is yeah is the other way. I use a triangle metaphor. So like the triangle is tight at the top and wider at the bottom. What is at the top of your triangle? And then once you know that, you have to think about what is the most important thing in our family. If the most important thing in your family is having quality family time at least once a day together, then if you have an elite athlete child and it is forcing you to spend no time together, then you need to make a hard decision. Am I going to move to the top of the triangle? My child makes it into the Olympics. Totally legit choice. But you have to understand that you are bumping quality family time down a notch. Those two things cannot both exist at the top of the triangle. There's not enough room. And so if you are making choices after careful consideration, all respect to that. I don't care what's at the top of your triangle, but you cannot do the thing where you're like, the most important thing to me is spending quality time together as a family and then spend 40 hours a week pursuing your child's elite tennis career. You have chosen for a time for your own reasons to flip those things. Just acknowledge that that's what's really happening. And then you can have conversations about it with the other kids. You can try to mitigate it for the other kids. I think the problem is rarely, it's the problem is not making a choice and trying to do everything because it just creates crazy anxiety. That's assuming that the bandwidth thing is a choice. Sometimes it's not a choice. No, I mean, listen, that's why I said at the beginning, if you've got a child with an, with an imminent medical crisis, it's not a choice. If you've got a kid with childhood cancer, you're spending your time at the hospital. Or if you have a kid who, because I read some articles on child prodigies, which, you know, we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about, because like you said, that might that might be one of you listening has a child prodigy. But you kind of don't, when you have a four-year-old who is like teaching himself German and playing the piano, like you don't have a choice to ignore that and be a good parent. No, nor do you have a child who has severe emotional regulation problems. You have a child with severe autism. You have a child with a childhood disease that is extremely chronic. You don't always have a choice. That thing is at the top of your triangle and you are not going to be able to control it. But the fact that you know it's there helps you to structure the next thing down in your triangle, which is like we often have this and we have had kids who are taking up a ton of bandwidth and we get into bed at night and I will turn to my husband and say, we need to spend this weekend paying as much attention as possible to our two other children. Right. Because I can see in their behavior that the bandwidth child is taking up too much bandwidth and we and we're seeing bad behavior from the other two because of it. I think that a way to help that relationship with the other kids is to address it head on in an age appropriate way, whether you're talking about like, yes, you know, you're your sister has really bad asthma and that means that we're talking about moving to another location or something or it's something as simple as you know what your brother is behaving not very well at the dinner table a lot lately and i'm sure you've noticed that and you might even be thinking why is he getting to do that i would never do something like that and the truth is he has anxiety and he's really working hard on that and sometimes it's hard and i see how hard that is for you too or you know what Allie is the captain of the swimming team this year, and it's going to be a hassle. And it means that sometimes this college kid is going to be home at dinner time instead of me. And I'm sorry, we're going to prioritize that for now. And someday there'll be something that you love that I'm going to be at every meet in the same way. That's for sure. The solution, I have a, a friend who I was with this weekend who 
lost her husband and decided like I need to take a job where I can really like get back to working life, make a bunch of money, get ahead of my bills. That's got to be my priority this year and sat her daughters down and was like, this is the plan from now until next January. And it's like, that's great. But that to me is the key of knowing what's at the top of your triangle. There's an article, I'll try to pull it up, a New York Times article written by a guy I know whose wife was diagnosed with a very severe form of cancer. He had three sons. And he talks in the article about like, I had to sit them down and be like, you have always been our priority, but mom is sick and I'm going to spend every resource I have to try to get her well. And so mother-in-law is going to come stay with us. Other people are going to help us. But you need to understand that like right now, I'm pouring everything into this. And like, I think being able to know what's at the top or listen, your brother has a chance of making the Olympics. That is his dream. We're going to really support that for a while. And it's going to take a sacrifice on all of our parts. And then when your brother wins the Olympics, you are going to be able to stand there in pride and know that you're part of that success. Like, I I have no problem with that. I just have a problem of like, we're pretending that this isn't our priority. And we're just all kind of going through the motions. Right. And we're ignoring the ramifications. Yeah. And like, hey, it's really hard having a sibling child number two. It's really hard that child number one has these really tough problems that are draining a lot of our resources. So like maybe once a week you pick a special thing and we're just going to focus on you for that thing. Like I think identifying what is taking up the bandwidth is the key to making sure everyone survives it. Dr. Jeffrey Bernstein is a a child psychologist and he had sort of three suggestions, which were for your marriage. They can't be anything better than what we've come up with. But hit me anyway, Dr. Bernstein. They're sort of like they're for the marriage. But as with everything we've talked about today, you can extrapolate from them for how you talk to your kids about this stuff and help the kids through this. Um, He says that you need to make deposits in the bank account. Demonstrate appreciative behavior for what the other parent or the other kids are doing well. The kind of stuff that, you know, you don't get a ticker tape parade for sitting really nicely in the waiting room while mom was in the doctor's office with the other kid. You know, like appreciate that stuff. Acknowledge it. The stuff that they're quietly cooperating in the background. Make sure you hand out awards for that in little ways. And then he talks about with your spouse, micro interactions like... um, A smile, rubbing their back, taking a walk together. Those do go out the window when you're having a very stressful time. In every marriage episode, we come back to step one, try smiling at your spouse when they walk in the room. Could be a a big game changer. Yes. Your resting out of bandwidth face is probably not a smile. And No, it's probably not. And it's not for me a lot of times. And I also think that you can talk about it in front of the child who's taking a lot of bandwidth, too, because it's not a secret for them either. You know, that sometimes the secret is from the child who's taking up all the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, we don't want them to make make them feel bad that just because they're struggling in these ways that they're taking up a lot of bandwidth. But I think sometimes the... They get it. Giving voice to it is like, hey, this is really hard on your siblings. It may not be your fault. It may be your fault. But whatever it is, let's just keep it as part of the dialogue that like this is taking up a lot of bandwidth. And then as long as is when you're keeping an eye on it, you can also, I think sometimes 
get into a mode where it's like your story we say it all the time. What's the story you're telling yourself? Sometimes the story you're telling yourself is I must sacrifice everything because this person has these needs. And in fact, you got to watch that story too, because you get used to it. Maybe this person doesn't always need as much bandwidth as you think. Don't let yeah. that person become, oh, 95% bandwidth for this person is the default in our family. You better be rechecking that all the time. Recheck the like, oh, no, no, this child can never help with dinner because they don't feel well after school every day. Well, yeah, check that assumption. Yeah, not okay. Or maybe okay for now, but like bad for the child taking up the bandwidth and bad for the other children and bad for you. Check your default settings. Can I give one more tip from Dr. Bernstein? I thought this was a good one and Hit one me. we've kind of discussed. He says you need to plan in three to six month chunks if you're going through this. The example he gives is you have a kid who struggles with loud noises and crowds. So you and your spouse might say like, okay, we can't go to the mall as a family right now. We can't go to the movies with the kids right now. And we'll revisit that in six months. Or like your friend you were talking about that had a much more serious situation, but she sat down with her daughter and said like, okay, for the next year, this is our plan. You break it down because it helps you for yourself. Remember that this well, it makes it feel like a short-term problem, even if it isn't. But having survived a couple of these situations in my life, they often are. Well, and, and I think that you see very clearly that roles get defined very easily. This happens all the time in the family. Like, oh, this person's the family screw up. This person's the family get her done her. And like those roles are total self-fulfilling prophecies and like, that's the other thing about revisiting it. I would say every three months, like, where are we with this triangle? Is this tennis plan really going well? Do we still have the same shot we had? We thought we had like, or should we reevaluate what we're doing? Like, or is this kid still sick? Could they be doing more now? Are they doing less now? Or have they settled into the role of like the caretakey? And we've settled into the roles of the caretaker. And if the underlying facts have changed, have we managed to change the roles? Mm -hmm. And are we always giving in to the loudest complaining child, which happens a lot in our family? You know, are we not taking car trips because someone doesn't like them? Because that's bonkers. Right. Let's stop doing that. And I think that's another place where respecting your spouse's take on the bandwidth can be really helpful. That's right. My husband is much more likely to call nonsense on some of my, oh, let's be careful because he doesn't really like being awake late. So we can't do this thing. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's not a thing. We're not doing that. We're not giving into that. Mm -hmm. I tend to be a little bit more like protective of my kids. Like, well, you know, she has the thing where and my husband's like, no, <laughs> no, that, that's not going to work for me. The, wa the washcloth, she doesn't like the feel of it on her skin. Oh, she doesn't like it. No, that's <laughs> that, she doesn't like this kind of baby <laughs> lotion. My husband's like, there's no such thing as that. That thing you just said does not exist. A baby not liking a certain kind of lotion is not possible. Well, if you're dealing with a situation where one kid is taking up all of your bandwidth, I hope you will take heart that it is probably something that will change with time. And until then, you can give the other kids a little extra attention when you can get it. 
Oh, Amy, we solved this one. Locked down. Solved and solved. Uh Uh-huh. Guys, we want to know what's going on with bandwidth at your house. Do you have a bandwidth stealer as we do? <laughs> uh, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast. And you can also join our Facebook group and talk to all the other moms who are fans of the podcast. And I have to say the Facebook group is the best. It's like no one ever gives anyone a hard time. It's super supportive and filled with great advice and funny people. Come join it. Yes, I agree. We're also on Instagram at whatfreshhellcast. Cast, and we are on Twitter at WFH Podcast, and I will put all the links to the studies and the different things we talked about today up on our website, which is whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. All right, guys, until next week, we will talk to you later. Bye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.